Royal LePage is forecasting aggregate home prices in Canada will rise by 3.3% in the first quarter of 2024. Uh, and by the third quarter, Royal LePage has, uh, anticipates home prices will rise by 3.3%, uh, and followed by a 5.5% year-over-year bump in the fourth quarter. Uh, now, that is still nationally, those numbers. Metro Vancouver, of course, is a different animal. Our next guest is someone who has a good grasp of, uh, of this very interesting market. Andy Ramel is vice president president of advisory services uh, at the Rennie Group, and he joins us now. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me back down, Josh. Yeah, it's uh, such an interesting market. It's uh, I, I don't know probably of a week that goes by that one of our talk shows isn't talking about <laughs> real estate, housing, affordability, all those issues. And it and, and like I said, if we didn't have this to talk about, what would we talk about at Vancouver Dinner Party? So it's the weather. Yes, <laughs> that's right. It's the weather. So let's talk a little bit about um, where the market is at this moment. Uh, you follow this market very closely. Uh, give me a snapshot of, of what you see at this moment. Well, in terms of a snapshot, uh, year-to-date uh, sales are down probably about 22%. We figured that we'll probably finish the year off with about uh, 40,000 sales, so well below our historical averages on in terms of the number of sales. But interestingly, listings are up, but up only marginally by about 1% uh, compared to our historical average. So yeah, while we've seen uh, the number of sales fall really, really low, there hasn't been a big push in terms of the number of listings out there, which Mm -hmm. in an economically challenging time is what we would expect. Um, So uh, that back to Econ 101, yeah, there's not a huge, huge influx of supply into the market on that side. And that's probably, that's what's put a little bit of a floor underneath some of the prices. Okay. Uh, And that lack of supply, is it just people, you know, obviously we need to be building more, but is it also just people saying, I'm not comfortable putting my property on the market right now then? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And, you know, this is where uh, human nature in hindsight, uh, people look back uh, a year and two and say, geez, it was worth a lot more back then. And maybe I'll just wait it out. Mm -hmm. So what we find right now, it's the situational buyers and sellers, uh, Mm -hmm. people that have to either buy or sell who are the ones that are transacting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a little bit of of the people who are downsizing, people with equity in the market, um, they may be looking at it uh, as an opportunity here. Yes, they may take a little little bit on the chin in terms of sale price, but uh, for a lot of those older uh, purchasers and sellers, uh, they got in at a period where it was still well below what it is right now. Yeah. Um, Now, we all have seen the impact of high interest rates uh, on the real state sector uh, this year. Uh, are there any um, long-term structural changes this has inflicted on the industry? I mean, I'm completely wrong. I just hear so much. Uh, any sort of long-term impacts or structural changes you think the industry will be coming out of this uh, as we move to a much more lower interest rate environment? Yeah, it, structural, yeah, I have to put some timelines around structural. Uh-huh. Structural meaning fundamental, yeah, I think there's one interesting shift, and I think that's kind of along the generational side of things. Hmm. Um, affordability on the ownership side is, is has certainly reached a point where uh, we thought it was astronomical before, and it's just, it's just gotten worse. And for a lot of people, especially that younger generation, a lot of them are looking at it saying it's just not achievable, and uh, they maybe resolve to be in the rental market, which is not a bad thing. We've got some great cities that are predominantly rental, Canada, Montreal, uh, New York in the States, uh, and then, you know, many jurisdictions throughout Europe as well. So I think there's a structural change there as a result of some of the, not just high interest rates, but the high prices that uh, have resulted uh, 
through some of that uh, period of low interest rates that we've seen since uh, 2008, 2009. Yeah, and I mean, we've heard all the stories of, of people who, uh, um, you know, weren't expecting rates to rise so quickly. It's had a huge impact on people's bottom line. Some yeah. of them uh, have been hurting uh, in a very significant way. Um, I'm very curious, the folks that actually build housing, uh, what is this high, uh, high interest rate environment meant for them? Yeah, this is an interesting one. People always talk about uh, the owners in terms of uh, whether you be a new owner or a recent owner mm-hmm. and the impact of, the, of your mortgage rates going up. But it's also put a real kink on the development industry side of things in that uh, the carrying costs for anybody who's trying to build something, um, they're moving up with the same rates that uh, that the Bank Canada is moving up. And so it's become a lot more expensive. And what's happened is uh, a lot of the projects that may have penciled in a lower interest rate environment, they actually don't make financial sense anymore. And uh, a lot of the developers are starting to uh, park some of the projects and and wait. So a bit of a kink in potential supply. If we look at uh, building permits nationally, building permits are down um, this year relative to same period last year, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't pretend well for the supply coming mm-hmm. online. Uh, so and there's a knock-on effect here as well, not just with respect to home ownership, but into the rental market. And uh, to the degree that there's not a lot of supply there and high interest rates and people not choosing to move, um, they're staying in the rental market for longer, which is putting undue pressure on the rental market. So low vacancy rates and increasing rents as well. We've seen double-digit increases in rents across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had municipal leaders on this show in the last few months talking about things that need to be done for housing. I've had the housing minister on so much, I think he probably should have his own show here. In <laughs> the premier was sitting exactly where you were sitting a few weeks ago, saying that we need, as a government, to take big swings. That's what we're doing here. Um, I've had the immigration, federal immigration minister on, federal housing minister on the last six weeks or so as well. Uh, they've got their own programs, the Federal Housing yep. Accelerator Program and all that. Uh, your thoughts on all these announcements and legislation, uh, and I know it's very difficult to sort of answer this, but is it going to have an impact in your mind in, in that maybe not right away, but two or three years from down the road, you and I are talking again. Will we be talking about some of the changes that, that they are promising at this point? Most Definitely. And I have to look back uh, over the medium term, and I think that BC has been a real leader with respect to a lot of the housing-related policy, and you just need to look to other provinces to, uh, to see how, that they, how they've followed along with some of our policy shifts. Um, but as you said, there's, this isn't, none of these policy announcements are short-term solutions. Uh, it takes a long time to build housing, and uh, even in a streamlined municipal process, uh, it does take time. So it's, there's no overnight win here, but hopefully in that medium term, three to five years, we're going to start to see the added supply coming online uh, and a focus of that added supply into the rental side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also some of it uh, geared or tailored to, uh, to some of the lower income groups groups as well. So uh, I think there, it, it will come. We just need to unfortunately be patient. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear who are living uh, in a situation where their housing is uh, inadequate or very unaffordable. But um, I think we are a leader across the country with respect to some of the provincial legislation. And that goes down to the municipal level as well. We are speaking to Andy Ramlow, Vice President of Advisory Services at the Rennie Group. We're talking about the year in real estate and where we're headed for 2024. Uh, now, Andy, let's talk about um, uh, the not the elephant in the room, but the number one issue, in my uh, opinion, when it comes to housing, and that's immigration. Um, 
the Netherlands voted in a very, very liberal uh, part of the world, uh, a very progressive, but they voted in a pretty right-wing government. And the number one issue there was immigration. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying we're comparing apples to apples, but I think in many ways we as a Canadian society are similar to a certain degree to those parts of the world as well. And I think we're having that same type of conversation. Now, we're not against immigration, but what's the right type of immigration, particularly in the context of housing? Um, And I don't see any other G7 nation doing what we do in regards to the level of immigration. Walk me through your thoughts broadly in regards to how much of an impact you think our immigration levels presently are having on housing. Oh, I, I think it's fundamental. You can't, uh, the two are integrally tied. And I think from a political side of things, why we're starting to see the conversations here nationally about our immigration levels is because of the housing challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, the, the federal government is going to be pushed in the short term to start to uh, reconsider or at least uh, document wh- why the level is uh, is what it's at. Um, but to your sort of notion of an, of an elephant in the room, we can talk about the, the year-to-date data that just came out from StatsCan was about 371,000 immigrants nationally. To, to this, at this point? At this point. Okay. To, yeah. So just a, 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 for, that's Q1, Q2, and Q, Q3 of this okay. year. First three um, But over the same period, there's 654,000 net non-permanent residents. And so non-permanent residents are people here, temporary foreign workers, international mobility program, and students. So, you know, there's certainly the immigration numbers are large. The, typically, that immigration number, we would see that 371,000 in a full year, not in the first three quarters of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's well outweighed by the number of non-permanent residents as well. So, you know, it's, there's, there's, and, and there's also a housing implication on that non-permanent resident side of things. Yeah, and I, what I don't understand is out of the G7, we're the only ones, not, not that those countries don't have immigration, but the immigration at the level that we have, uh, what is it that we know that they don't? Like, why are the, we the only ones down this route, heading down this route, uh, when the other countries uh, are not doing so? I mean, if you compared our immigration levels with non-permanent residents yep. and immigration, general immigration, it would almost be equal to the United States, a country yes. with about 300 million people, yep. right? With a nation of 40 million. Um, one would assume, when you just talk about housing specifically, there has to be a fundamental rethink here. Uh, or at least at least a, a critical conversation that I don't think we're having yet. Oh, agreed. Um, but this was something that uh, almost a decade ago we brought up with, when uh, Justin Trudeau came across doing co- a consultation for the National Housing Strategy. Because at that point we were starting to, in- to consider increasing immigration targets and said these two things should be integrally tied. Um, unfortunately, it necessarily wasn't the case that they got tied together, but that is the direction that some of the conversations are going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, why we're doing this relative to our other G7s, you have to ask Minister yeah. Mark Miller on that one. But, you know, there is, a, in terms of the increases, we do have an aging population. Um, we've got a healthcare system that's a pay-as-you-go system that needs to be funded going forward, and uh, well, as well as the rest of our social services. So there is good reason to increase the targets. Um, it's our demography. But next question that I think the federal government has to answer is uh, what is the right level or what the ultimate level is uh, going forward. Yeah. Uh, are, are we able to build the amount of housing that we need? I keep hearing about construction shortages. No. Nope. No, yeah, you guys, nobody can see me shaking my head. No, <laughs> no, fundamentally not. And this is something that construction industry, they, they make fun of me. They say, Ramlo, your numbers in terms of the housing. In fact, that's all great from a demographic demand side of things. 
but we physically can't build it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we sort of joke that, uh, you know, that we, what we should, who we should be targeting on the immigration side is certainly you know, doctors and nurses because we have this aging population and we need them. But where are all the construction workers? Yeah. Uh, my final question to you, um, what does 2024 in your mind look like? And, you know, be brutally honest. I mean, I, I, I'm going to hope it's better than 2023. <laughs> it has to be because I don't think anything can be worse. But your sense of what 2024 will look like for the market. Well, we're hoping that uh, we'll probably see three rate cuts from the Bank of Canada, which should see uh, mortgage rates ease, uh, both on the fixed mortgage rate side of things as well as on the variable rate side of things. Um, so so some good news on that side. Uh, I guess the, the counterpoint to that would be we've seen such pent-up demand in the short term because of the high rates that uh, it could very well be that there's a big influx into the market as, uh, as those rates start to ease. Um, so that would be, you know, depending on which side of the equation you're on, that could be a good news scenario or a bad news scenario as well. But uh, we're hopeful that uh, it'll be a little bit easier in terms of uh, financing things going forward. That would be from the homeowners through to the developers, uh, but then also hopefully providing some ease to uh, to the renters and the tenants out there as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got a little bit of time. Um with the new legislation, the, the housing legislation brought in, you, you know, you can build four units on a property, if not more, depending on where you're located, if it's transit. Um, I think I've asked you this question before. Are we now with legislation that we're seeing, really, this is the start of of living beyond the single family home, like moving beyond this? Is, is that fair comment in your mind? Most definitely, yeah. And it would depend on where it is. We certainly have some areas within the city of Vancouver that are outside of some of that legislation, some of the heritage areas. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the, the so yes, the answer to your question, but along with that, there's a whole bunch of new questions that need to be asked. Um, what is the infrastructure underneath the, the yeah. streets and the roads uh, to accommodate that? Is it sufficient enough? Um, how about transportation and transit? Uh, do we have the infrastructure there as well? How are we funding TransLink uh, in terms of getting us all around as we potentially double the density on uh, on a lot of those traditionally single-family lots? Um, so, but you know, I, I think this is a, a a good thing going forward. Uh, it's not, but it's not just about the immigrants and the migrants, right? I have two kids that are going to eventually want to move out, and I'd love to see them close. Mm-hmm. And if that means uh, sticking a, another unit on the back of our lot, then so be it on that side of things. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, folks uh, would like to see that, you know, yep. and, that, and it is, it is, the legislation is uh, quite far reaching. It's just question is, what will it look like when we implement it, right? And that's the hard part. Most definitely. So that's uh, a bit of a wait and see, but I think uh, we've got a lot of smart people out there that, uh, that are watching these issues and hopefully we can catch uh, some of the missteps in the short term and uh, modify the policy to make it work for everybody. Andy, thank you. Thank you so much, Jess. All Have right. a fabulous year.